Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. Today, we're talking about Parshat Vayeshev, and our theme is how do we compartmentalize negative behavior? Yosef has appeared you know, on the horizon. His brothers see him. They're pasturing the flocks. They attack him. They throw him in a pit. They hate him. But after this dramatic showdown, and what do they do? They sit down to eat. They have a picnic when they've sentenced their own brother to a horrible death. That's exactly right. So they are able to somehow ignore, compartmentalize whatever's going on in that pit with their brother, who's presumably screaming for help. And they, you know, they have their bread, they have their hummus. And it then goes on for quite a while, doesn't it? It goes on for 20 years of them sitting and essentially eating their bread and their hummus. They live with their father, they see their father, and they don't tell him what happened, right? They tricked him initially, and then they have to live with that for 20 years. And somehow, they're able to push aside what they've done and go about their lives. Now, the, the Mepharshim commentators all are also bothered, bothered by, by why are they having a picnic? And one approach I think is worth mentioning is that the Malbim, among others, says basically the fact that they could sit down shows that they had a clear conscience. They, they were righteous in their eyes. Now, were they really, did they really think that they were righteous? Or were they really trying to convince themselves? Say, were they justifying their own behavior? Right, and and let's have a let's have a celebratory picnic. Everything's fine. Everything is the fine. Right thing. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Right. So there's so many examples of how each and every one of us experience things that we want to push away. So maybe a very trivial kind of story is that we're sitting around, we're watching the news on TV. And there's some awful story, let's say a story of chemical warfare, some kind of torture, maybe a mass murder. And we just have not even compassion fatigue, news fatigue. (laughs) And you just take the remote and switch the channel, maybe to a sitcom. Or you say, too bad. Right. It's too bad. Don't even think too bad. You just don't want to know Mm. from it. Just click. Uh Uh-huh. And that's on sort of a global kind of level on the more local one let's say you're you're out uh, visiting somebody who's in the hospital and you're leaving the hospital parking lot it's dark out it's a little cold uh, and as you're pulling out a lot oops you bump into another car's bumper right and you you cause a big dent not even sure you caused a dent exactly it's dark how do i know it's probably nothing you don't feel like getting out of the car and uh it's a bit of a headache so you just drive off right and and you convince yourself Probably nothing. Right, probably. Probably nothing. nothing. This is stuff that happens to good people, to all of us. Let's say you're you're sitting in the park, you're walking in the park, and you see a woman, she's obviously hassled, she's aggravated, and she's with a little kid. The kid's in a stroller. Kid is crying, and the woman is screaming at the kid. And she's ratcheting up the screaming, and you really feel like this kid is scared. And it's getting mean. The woman's getting mean. She's mimicking the kid and uh, making fun of the child. And she's even threatening the kid. So these sorts of uh, examples do happen all the time, I think, to to everyone. 
And I guess I'm wondering, you're a, psych, a psychotherapist, so does this, and a psychiatrist, does this come up in your practice? Do you see well, you know, I think in all of these examples, generally speaking, I tend to see the people who are having some kind of struggle or they're anticipating that there's going to be a collision course, either with their conscience or with the just realities of their everyday life. So what I hear you saying basically is that psychological compartmentalization ultimately doesn't work or it causes real problems for people. You know, I hope it does because if compartmentalization works, then what we're doing is we're really cutting ourselves off from parts of ourselves. I mean, it's the, it's really the literal meaning of the word. We're having like silos that are not connecting with each other, but they are in some way. We are the, the same one person who's doing really totally contradictory things and that i i truly believe that there is there's no free lunch on this one that those brothers sitting around the picnic when yosef is in the pit or 10 years later or 15 years later or as we're going to talk about 20 plus years later it's on their minds it's weighing on them it's doing its corrosive work that was not a free picnic no it's not a free picnic right now, that said, are there times and situations in which compartmentalizing can be a positive? Yeah, I think so, too. I think, for example, like, let's take very basic sorts of things. Um, you're a, a medical worker, and you're in the midst of a, a really horrible traumatic situation, and you've got to do triage. You've got to decide where you're going to put your efforts, and there are people who are suffering around you, and you've got to really make tough decisions about where you're going to deploy uh, the care that you can give. Um, so I think it's important to be able to compartmentalize the suffering that you that you hear and to not be overwhelmed by the pain that you feel towards all of these different people. In order to function, in order to be effective, sometimes it requires staving off the acuity of that compassion. Hmm. So something that is um, relevant here and actually connects to two, a couple of our vignettes, like let's say seeing the woman in the park yelling at the toddler in the stroller, and that's the bystander effect. If there's a lot of people around and there's some emergency going on, you assume someone else is going to take care of it, particularly if there are a large number of people. So how do we, you know, get bystanders to step in? I think it's important for people to realize that that being a bystander is not just a passive position, that when you see something, you are involved. So let's say in the case, the one that we've been talking about, of seeing the harried woman with the kid in the stroller, let's assume that the behavior isn't a reportable, you got to get an authority to step in because the child is being is in, is in danger. But it might be somebody, either a caregiver or a parent or whoever it is, who's really losing their grip. So you know, taking a photo of this person is not going to be helping too much. But maybe going over and saying, you know, it seems like you're having a hard time. I've been there. Can I give you a hand right now? Would be, I mean, it's possible that the woman would say, you know, get out of my situation. This doesn't involve you. But it might also be possible that the person would just be, would pause and would feel a sense of not criticism, but kind of compassion and say, oh, thank you. 
you know, maybe take it down a notch. That might be a possibility. Now, there's other kinds of bystander situations, like when you're seeing serious abuse going on, like you're seeing child abuse going on. You're seeing something that seems kind of, you're not sure. But being a bystander in that situation, you need to be trained. You need to have a sense of authority, of possibility to come forward and to do something with that. You need to believe in your own agency. So in conclusion, I want to take us just a, a couple of chapters forward but actually decades forward uh, to the showdown between the brothers and the now viceroy of Egypt, you know, this hidden Joseph who is standing in front of them. They're talking to each other in a language that they assume he doesn't understand. And they say to each other, They say, do you know why we're being mistreated by this, this viceroy of Egypt? You know why? Because of what we did to our brother. And specifically, they say we are being punished on account of our brother because we looked on at his anguish and we didn't listen as he pleaded with us. That's why this distress has happened. So all those picnics, all that hummus later, it was really with them the whole time. And they realize that. They say we, we, we ignored it then. We ignored it for 20 years. That stops now. We're gonna st- we're gonna break down that compart those compartments and uh, and we're going to accept the fact that we we did something terrible and that he was crying out for us and we didn't listen and I think only then is Joseph able to say okay I'm going to show myself I am your brother Joseph Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>